Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tiantian with your market view. Now we cast the spotlight on the world's top economies, namely the US, China, and India today. In the US, investors sift through Fed Chair Jerome Powell's speech at a Brookings Institution event last night for hints on the magnitude of future rate hikes. Or back in Asia, Chinese health. Officials had announced measures earlier this week to improve vaccination rates among the elderly. But to what extent does this speak about China's plans to open up to the world once again? And meanwhile, India released its GDP figures for the third quarter yesterday. But to what extent is demand resilient in face of elevated price gains and borrowing costs? Well, for more, let's speak to Kun Go, head of Asia Research at ANZ. Hi, Kun, are you there? Hi, good evening. Oh, great to have you on the show and... Well, Kungo, let's start with the U.S. Fed Chair Jerome Powell spoke at an event in Washington last night. Uh, the expectation earlier on was that Powell may well have to be uber hawkish, but it seems like it may not be the case, isn't it? He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't hawkish at all. In fact, uh, what he said was pretty much in line with what he had said previously, mm. and really didn't add too much to what the market had already priced in. So, as a result of that, Marcus actually took his speech in a positive tone because there was some concern that he might come out as extremely hawkish but that just wasn't the case and that's helped to allay investor concerns. Mm. But in the meantime, where do you expect the Fed to move rates um, in the middle of this month, 50 basis points? And the bigger question is where do you expect rates to peak at? Uh, well, the Fed Chair Powell's clearly indicated that the pace of rate hikes is going to take a step down starting from December. So at the next meeting, I'm looking for a 50 basis point move. Uh, and then after that, we're looking at much smaller 25 basis point moves into next year. And I look at the per terminal rate uh, ending at about 5% by March next year. And that's pretty much in line uh, with what the market is currently pricing in. Mm. And well, with what we're seeing right now, how do you expect markets in the US to hold up for the rest of this year? And where do you expect them to come in at the end of 2022? Well, in terms of markets and in terms of the equity markets, we've seen a very strong uh, risk rally in response to Fed Chair Powell's speech. And the dollar has sold off. And I think that's probably going to continue into the end of this year. There's still a lot of cash uh, on the sidelines by fund managers, I think they'll be looking to deploy that. Uh, and in terms of market positioning, I mean, the whole world pretty much went long dollars this year. That was the major trade of the year, but we're starting to see that getting unwound. So I think there's going to be you know, some more profit taking and selling, which will lead the dollar weaker into uh, the end of this year. Mm. And just taking a step back, Akun, I was looking at the figures of how markets performed uh, and it seems like a big rally last night. Do you think the markets are overly optimistic for now just based on that comments from Jerome Powell? Uh, well, you can argue that the markets are perhaps getting them a bit ahead of themselves, uh, to be sure. Uh, after all, the underlying consensus is that the U.S. is going to go into recession next year. And mm. if that were to be the case, then the equity markets simply can't continue to rally or hold up. But I think that's something for us to worry about next year. Uh, after all, it's a forecast and there's no guarantee that uh, the forecast will uh, actually turn out to to be accurate. For now, I think 
you know, let's just enjoy the risk rally or the Santa rally, as we as we call them, uh, and then worry about the recession next year. Right, and enjoy it while it lasts, right, isn't it? Well, um Kuhn, I want to zoom in on several major economies away from the U.S. within APEC. Um, we saw India releasing its GDP figures for the third quarter. To what extent is demand resilient in face of elevated price gains and borrowing costs? Well, the Indian economy did show a slowdown in terms of the year-on-year growth rate uh, from 12.7%, uh, 13.5%, sorry, to 6.3%. But that's uh, largely expected. Uh, the slowdown was simply because uh, India uh, suffered from a massive um, outbreak of uh, COVID last year, which severely impacted on, like, on activity. It rebounded, and now we're starting to see a bit more of a normalization in activity. Now, within the GDP numbers, I think a couple of things came in came through quite clearly uh, the manufacturing sector uh, did suffer a contraction so i think from that point of view it looks as if some supply issues and perhaps you know higher pricing uh, is having some impact uh, on that sector but in terms of uh, overall household consumption that's you know been holding up uh, pretty well so far so overall it's mixed but you know, our view is that you know, the, uh, the Indian economy will continue to uh, be able to maintain fairly robust growth heading into next year, maybe just under 7%. Mm. Well, despite expectations of robust growth, in the meantime, if we look at India's merchandise export numbers, it was previously up almost 200% in April last year, but in October it contracted nearly 17%. So the question is, uh, which are the sectors that have been affected the most? And going forward, what is the outlook ahead? Hmm. Well, exports not only uh, in India but uh, the entire Asian region have started mm. to really be hit by the slowdown in global growth. So we've seen uh, contraction in pretty much uh, all the major economies here. So India is no uh, exception. Uh, but I think there's a interesting structural change that's starting to occur in uh, the Indian uh, manufacturing and export sector. We're starting mm. to see more uh, companies relocate production into uh, India uh, to right. take advantage of lower labor costs and you know a huge uh, pool of labor, uh, and that eventually should start to see India's exports uh, structurally increase. For now, though, it's just being hit like all the other economies in the region by the slowdown in uh, external demand due to you know the, the slowdown in the US and uh, Europe. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Kun Go, Head of Asia Research at ANZ. Well, Kun, going forward, by how much do you expect external headwinds to eat into demand and what would this mean for an export-oriented economy like India? Now, external headwinds are certainly going to be a huge drag on uh, the economic performance for this region. Now, for India in particular, at this stage, it's not really that reliant on exports to drive mm-hmm. growth. It's largely still a domestically uh, driven economy. Uh, so in that regard, because consumption has been holding up uh, quite well, uh, so I do expect uh, the Indian economy to be somewhat more resilient uh, and it is being helped by uh, being able to attract quite large FDI inflows as well. I think for the other uh, more export-oriented economies in this region, like Taiwan and South Korea, right. uh, those will definitely be hit a lot harder given that they are more reliant on, on exports to drive growth. Hmm. So you mentioned about Taiwan, and let's talk a little bit more about Taiwan and digress a little. Uh, we we saw TSMC, in fact, customers like Apple asking TSMC to shift their production to the U.S. So what do you think that will mean for Taiwan's manufacturing going forward? 
Well, for them, it's really a case of them want, uh, needing to really uh, move to where demand and what their customers are wanting. And this um, you know, ongoing shift in diversification away uh, from China for various reasons, I think is something that will continue. Uh, so from TSMC's perspective, uh, they'll simply look to set up more manufacturing production in the U.S. They've already done so, and they'll increasingly uh, be the case. Uh, it'll be closer to their market, which is a positive, but it also means that there's probably going to be you know, additional uh, costs incurred, which uh, hopefully if they're able to pass on to their uh, customers, then that won't impact them too much. And that's really the trend that we've seen with, uh, for example, Japanese automakers you know, decades ago, uh, where they started to set up uh, manufacturing facilities in the U.S. for uh, for sale into the U.S. market. Mm. Well, Kun, let's touch uh, on China. Chinese health officials earlier this week on Tuesday, in fact, announced measures to boost vaccination among the elderly. And this is seen as an important signal for the reopening of the Chinese economy. I just want to get your thoughts on this and how far are we from a full reopening of China's economy to the world? Well, the Chinese authorities certainly seem to be moving quite fast recently uh, in response to you know the, the recent events. Uh, now, the low vaccination rate amongst the elderly has always been seen as uh, one hindrance to a full reopening. And the fact that they are really taking steps to uh, get uh, that sorted out suggests that we might be getting closer uh, towards China eventually joining the rest of the world in treating COVID as endemic. So I'm hopeful that if all goes well, uh, we could well see a more meaningful opening up uh, of the Chinese economy, perhaps after uh, the March NPC uh, next year. Hmm. Well, in the meantime, still, we've seen what happened to a key iPhone plant in Zhengzhou uh, set to affect production of iPhones by 6 million units. Uh, what would China's continued zero-COVID stunts in the meantime mean for the global ch- supply chain and where will businesses look to shift their production then? Hmm. Well, we're starting to see uh, easing of those restrictions. I think the, um, the event with the plant that you mentioned uh, as, uh, has occurred. It has uh, affected production, but hopefully uh, it's in the process of, of getting resolved. But nonetheless, uh, situations like this and, of course, uh, what happened during the uh, Shanghai lockdown back in April it just goes to show that uh, there is potential for huge disruptions to the global supply chain uh, from any unanticipated events like this. Uh, so therefore, a lot of businesses now are starting to think about uh, diversification uh, and Part of uh, the other countries that we are really looking towards that is Vietnam and uh, India. Right. And, uh, well, I'd like to, before we wrap up, talk about uh, Chinese property market. China's security regulator had, at the start of this week, lifted a ban for developers to raise funds via equity sales. But question is, what is the investor appetite for such sales and what do you think this would mean for Chinese markets? Uh, the uh, rescue plan that the uh, Chinese authorities have announced for the property sector is a very important one. Uh, that's going to help put a floor to how low uh, activity can go. Uh, I think there's still going to be a little bit of hesitancy on the part of investors um, in terms of dipping their toes in. Uh, but I think if they, uh, they can draw some comfort from, uh, I guess, some of the backing that uh, the government has provided. So hopefully we'll start to see some revival in uh, the property market and help instill uh, confidence back. I think the main uh, issue is just trying to get the uh, confidence of future buyers uh, to be able to uh, stump up the deposit uh, to purchase new homes. That's something that's sadly lacking. Uh, and that's something that the property developers will want to see uh, pick up. 
Mm, and finally, before I let you go, Kun, what is the outlook for China and Chinese yuan? Our growth for China this year is pretty much going to be uh, quite a write-off because of mm. the challenging times they've, right. had, they've had. But the outlook for next year is looking a lot brighter, uh, given the uh, steps towards uh, you know removing and getting rid of their COVID zero strategy. So I think the GDP growth for China could rebound uh, beyond five percent next year. Mm. Uh, and in terms of the Chinese yuan, um, it had been battered this year on the, in the face of rising U.S. interest rates and a strong dollar. But I think. A lot of those are starting to unwind now. So the yuan has rallied recently, and I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and increasingly, I'm getting confident that we could see the yuan uh, continuing to appreciate uh, past uh, the seven level in the not too distant future. Mm. Thank you very much, Kun. That was Kun Go, head of Asia Research at ANZ. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.